Your Locked On Golden Knights, your daily podcast on the Vegas Golden Knights, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Today's episode of the Locked On Golden Knights podcast is brought to you by Built Bar. Go to BuiltBar.com and enter the promo code LOCKED15 to get 15% off your next order. Welcome back to the Locked On Golden Knights podcast. I'm Jack Manning. I'm AJ Alexander. AJ, the Vegas Golden Knights split the weekend with the Colorado Avalanche. What did you think about the Vegas Golden Knights' performance in their last two games against the Colorado Avalanche? I like to focus on the win a little bit more. Don't you? No, I think you're absolutely right, AJ. On on Thursday night's game, the Vegas Golden Knights just didn't show up to play. And frankly, there isn't much to talk about from that absolute drubbing of a loss, except that the Vegas Golden Knights can't cruise past teams if they're not giving their their full effort, at least not a team like the Colorado Avalanche that has a a true legitimate set of superstars playing for it. On the other hand, when you consider Saturday's game against the Avalanche, the noon game, the Vegas Golden Knights played a, a pretty decent 60 minutes of hockey, and it was an evenly matched game. And really, that's all you can ask for when you're talking about the two teams that are most likely to come out of the West Division. It's easy to see that blowout loss, especially from a fan's perspective, and not be able to get it out of your head. It's easy to think, okay, well, obviously Vegas doesn't have what it takes. They don't have what it takes to hang with Colorado's depth. And then you you have the OT winner, which I think is a lot more emblematic of what these two teams are against each other tight elite hockey again with two teams that are just to me the cream of the crop I really don't put much stock in the blowout loss just like I wouldn't put much stock in a blowout win against this Colorado team bottom line is they aren't going anywhere they're going to be elite for the rest of the year and again if you want something that you should look at as an expectation heading to the playoffs I think you're a lot closer to that with this last win. And I I know it's easy to say because it was a win, but that's not why I mentioned that. I really do think that the Avalanche had plenty of opportunity in that game to win, just like we had opportunity to put it away a lot earlier. So all in all, long story longer, that win, the 3-2 game, was a lot closer to what these two teams are actually going to play each other with in the playoffs. I think that headed into the playoffs, Vegas Golden Knights fans and Colorado Avalanche fans alike should expect it to be a close series. Sure, there might be a game in a a playoff series where one team blows the other out, but from game to game in a seven-game series, expect that most of those games are going to be pretty closely played. I think the other thing to consider is that when you look at the last two games between the Avalanche and the Golden Knights, the team that had the better performance from their bottom six was the team that would ultimately go on to win. Obviously, in Saturday's game, Jonas Donskoy picks up a goal in the first period. But on the flip side, uh, when Will Carrier picked up the goal that that tied that game up, that put it put the Golden Knights in a position to take that game to overtime. To me, that was really what turned the outcome of the game is that the bottom six was playing the way that they should. And obviously they didn't play as well as they have in years past. All season, that line has looked subpar as compared to to even last year. At the same time, this was probably their best performance all year long. How often do we see the rest of the lineup actually light up and start buzzing a little bit when the bottom six actually contribute and jump in with scoring? 
I mean, every single time it happens. And I think that, you know, DeBoer always mentions the fourth line setting the, the tone. I think there's something to be said about setting a tone for the rest of the lineup when they can actually pitch in with scoring, not just physicality. When the Vegas Golden Knights get more from that bottom line than just physicality, when they can chip in with scoring or they can hem the other team in, in the zone, it creates an opportunity for guys like Max Pacioretty, Mark Stone, and, and the Misfit line to, to do what they do best because we've got two more games and the series, the season series is tied at three. It's a lot closer than I think a lot of fans give it credit for. I think that they, the perception is maybe that the avalanche have been actually handing it to the Vegas golden Knights. And I don't see it that way. We'll dig a little deeper in future shows about that, but the next game is the 26th. And then you've got the rubber match game eight on the year on the 28th, just a mere two days later. And that's on national television, which is not a great sign for the golden Knights <laughs> who for whatever reason, never do well on TV at any rate, that eighth game on the season series will be the rubber match. No matter what, what an excellent time to actually get a preview against a playoff team that, you know, for all intents and purposes, you'll likely have to go through in order to get to the finals. Yeah, it would be hard to imagine any team other than the Golden Knights or the Avalanche winning the division. As we sit right now, the, the Blues are barely hanging on to the, the fourth place spot with the Minnesota Wilds sitting in the three hole. It would it would be really difficult for me to imagine either of those teams overcoming Vegas or, or Colorado with, uh, with you know, 25 games left to, to go down the stretch. Max Pacioretty obviously won the last game for the Golden Knights with his league-leading fourth overtime winner his 18th on the year it was nice to actually see Alex Tuck make that play happen really it was more of a poke check from Pacioretty that got it into the actual net that whole play was driven by Alex Tuck's speed it was really good to see him back in the lineup quicker than a lot of people probably expected one person that wasn't in the lineup for the Golden Knights again Cody Glass yeah, Cody Glass misses two games in a row now, and you would have thought after the, the drubbing that the Golden Knights took on Thursday night that Cody Glass would find his way back into the lineup, but it's clear there's either something going on with Cody Glass or there's an opinion that Cody Glass isn't in a position yet to contribute to this team winning on, on a regular basis. And I think either way, whether he's suffering from a small injury or he's just simply exhausted, or on the other hand, whether he's fallen out of the lineup because he just simply hasn't been able to produce at five on five, Cody Glass has not yet made himself indispensable to the lineup. I think that if, if it was just a small injury for any other player that was was indispensable he would have been in the lineup and, and would have been playing in his normal position so far this season Cody Les just hasn't lived up to the hype that personally I had believed in prior to the season and I think there's probably a few reasons for that first of all he he did suffer from a a catastrophic knee injury uh, to end his season last year. And he was just barely done rehabbing uh, and maybe wasn't entirely done rehabbing when, when this season finally got started in January. I think the other part of that is that Cody Glass hasn't played much hockey at all, including this season uh, in almost two years. He's, the I mean, come on. We've seen a lot of teams actually not play at all in nine months and they're seeming seemingly managing. I get what you're saying, but at the same time, Cody's actually admitted himself that he lost a little quickness with the weight gain. Tell me the truth, Jack. Does he look stronger to your eye? Does he look stronger? Yeah, he he does look stronger, but okay. I don't know that he looks um, like he knows what to do with the strength yet. 
I think physically speaking, I think he can lift more, is probably physically stronger. But as a, as a kid finding his way in a new body, I don't know that he knows how to use it to his advantage just yet. And, and for that reason, I wouldn't argue at this point against putting him down in the AHL for 10 or 15 games to give him a chance to get used to playing and winning again and, and to being an effective part of the lineup. Because I think it's been almost two years since he was a valuable part of a team. All right, so you're going to hang on to that two years. That's fine. I understand it. I had to challenge you a little bit there. The other thing we've seen, and I, I don't think it's become a thing yet on Golden Knights Twitter and social media world, Pete DeBoer usually goes with veteran. And he had that reputation in San Jose for not just trusting the younger players. Who's playing in Glass's place here? Colazar. Yeah, I, I think that's a fair point. And it, it, to me, it seems as if Pete DeBoer has given Cody Glass every opportunity to succeed. He, he gave him two or three games playing with two of the best wingers in the league in Stone and Pacioretty, and his impact was was negligible. He, he remained very difficult to notice. From a pure points perspective, you can't really argue with, with where he is in his season. Uh, I tweeted a couple of days ago that Cody Glass is turning 22 in just a few days. He's got a .41 points per game uh, average uh, this season and as compared to other players in the top six that's about on par for where they were at the same time uh, Tuck was 22 in his first season with the Golden Knights and he had a 0.43 uh, Stone had a 0.42 that year uh, Patches had a 0.65 uh, Carlson had a 0.17 Marcia so wasn't even in the league at 22 and, and Smith had a 0.24 so I think it's way too early to give up on, on a guy like Cody Glass. But at the same time, I think we're looking at a guy that doesn't quite know how to contribute. And I think the most concerning thing is that he's not producing at five on five. At least he's certainly not bearing the puck himself. I'm just going to go ahead and save some commenters time from harassing you on your Twitter account because I'm going to say what they're going to say ahead of time. But Jack, he was drafted sixth overall. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter where he was drafted. It, it, the same way that it doesn't matter how much you paid for your house in 2008, whether or not you bought Bitcoin when it was $1,000, or, or whether or not you, co you could have, you should have, or you would have uh, bought Microsoft when they, were, when they were in the verge of bankruptcy. None of it matters because what matters is what you have today. And what you have today is a guy named Cody Glass who is still an elite player in terms of skill but just hasn't developed yet to play in the nhl and so yeah it it sucks it absolutely sucks that we don't have nick suzuki in the system that's that sucks and yeah would it have been better if nick suzuki was centering uh centering alex tuck it sure would that that's one of the best matches in terms of skill i can think of in the league and yet does it suck that Cody Glass hasn't yet become what we all wanted to be it absolutely does but none of that matters because you have to deal with what's in front of you and that's that Cody Glass can still be a very very good player and and a great contributor to a cup contending team but if he's going to do that he has to be given in a position to develop that way 
it's clear that playing on the third line and getting run in isn't getting him any closer to being who he, who he needs to be. And so at this point, let's put him in the AHL. Let's give him a chance to find that swagger that he played with when he led that team all almost to a Calder Cup championship uh, with the Chicago Wolves uh, just two years ago. At one point, he was the top producer on that team and looked like an absolute star in the making. And if you go back to the beginning of last year, he looked great playing against the San Jose Sharks, and he looked pretty darn good playing between Patches and Mark Stone. And the only reason that he doesn't look good now is because he has not had an opportunity to play the way he needs to play. Jeez, Jack, you don't have to get hot about it. God. (laughs) (laughs) You mentioned his points so far. You mentioned his elite skill set. You mentioned who he needs to be. Who he is right now is basically a power play specialist. That's exactly right. Five on five, not looking great. Do you bury him on the bottom six somewhere just to use him on the power play? Does Jack... Do you favor having him in the lineup for his power play ability, which is clear? That you cannot deny. Or do you just, do you favor the five on five lineup? Right now, I look at what the Golden Knights need in the short term and what Cody Glass needs in the long term. And I think in the long term, Cody Glass needs to produce at five on five, or he's never going to live up to that uh, that sixth overall status that we all want him to. What the Golden Knights need in the short term is to put out the best line possible. And I think that the best line possible right now is a team that is able to win as often as the Golden Knights are winning. I have no problem with the lineup as it's currently constructed. And I have to admit, as I've watched Keegan Colazar this year, he has improved. Is he ever going to be a top six forward? No, I don't think so. I think that he's probably at best a contributing uh, third liner who brings a lot of physicality to the lineup. And at some point, I think he's going to replace the presence, maybe not the role, but the presence uh, of some of the guys that are on the fourth line, right? Wonder who they could be. (laughs) (laughs) But but no, I wouldn't have I wouldn't have Cody Glass in the lineup if it's only for him to be a power play specialist because the Golden Knights don't really need that to win or even to win the the division. I think what they need to win the cup is the type of depth that you will get if he can improve dramatically by finding some of that rhythm, finding some of that swagger that he had when he led this team to to a, almost to a Calder Cup championship. Vegas is currently 21st in the league at 19.2% on the power play. At 12th, nearly 10 spots ahead of the Golden Knights, Buffalo Sabres, 23.3%. Yeah, and, and for that matter, on the bottom of the list, the Minnesota Wild, hanging on to a playoff spot, a dreadful 9.7%. So it's not everything. It's not everything. I mean, obviously, goals win games. That's, you know, that's, it's hard to argue with that point. On the other hand, what really wins games is not relying on whether or not the refs are going to decide to call penalties that game and not relying on five or six, seven minutes of power play time during a game to to win you the the full 60. Because because that's not what wins games. A full 60-minute effort, a full consistent effort from top to bottom is what wins you games. And the Golden Knights can do that even if they aren't able to convert on most of their power play chances. 
We're going to be back in just a minute or two to talk more about the Vegas Golden Knights. But first, I want to talk to you for just a second about the Built Bar, because I've been telling you about Built Bar, the best tasting protein bar in the market for a while now. Built Bar is an amazing, low calorie, low sugar, high protein, high fiber, amazing tasting protein bar with 100% chocolate on all bars. And now is the time to find out which Built Bar is the best because it is Built Bar madness. So go to BuiltBar.com or follow at BuiltBar on Twitter and find out which two protein bars are competing against each other in today's matchup. And remember to use the promo code LOCKED15 to get 15% off your next order. That's LOCKED15 to get 15% off your next order at BuiltBar.com and check those two media accounts to see who won today's matchup between the best tasting protein bars on the market. So Jack, Vegas has got the LA Kings tonight at seven o'clock and They've got Mr. Night Killer himself. There was actually some numbers that came out that showed that none other than Anze Kopitar has scored the most points against the Golden Knights out of any other player in the league. And if you look at his season so far, I mean, Mark Stone has 39 points. Kopitar has 37. He's putting together an excellent year on a, let's be honest, terrible team. But this isn't going to be a cakewalk. Maybe I'm crazy, but it is really difficult for me to believe and accept that Anze Kopitar is the player that scored the most against the Golden Knights. Right. I, I have watched every single Golden Knights game that has ever been played, every Henderson Silver Knights game that has ever been played, and, and I simply do not have any clear memories, not one, of Anze Kopitar doing anything impressive against this team. Now, I know Anze Kopitar is a very good player. I, I know that he has scored goals. I know he's put up assists against the Golden Knights, but I can't remember any individual memory of him doing anything spectacular. That's pretty rough. <laughs> they come into Vegas tonight looking for revenge the last few games. How do you see it shaking down? I mean, I, I, I don't ever like to make predictions because on any given night, any team can beat any other team. But what I will say, I think what I am expecting is that the Golden Knights are going to come out and put out a, a, a genuine effort to show that what happened against the Colorado Avalanche last Thursday it is not going to be a regular part of their identity. They want to win this division. They hold it by a very narrow margin. So I think they're going to come out looking to, to run a team that is way down the standings right over. And, and I think they can. I think they have every ability to run this team down. The only question is, are they going to run into a hot goalie? And is Anze Kopitar going to make me regret everything that I just said? <laughs> Well, they've got the Kings for the next two games. The good news is Alex Petrangelo has been, quote-unquote, upgraded to day-to-day, -day, so they may even get a player back in that time. But like you said, a team that's sixth in the Honda West division, it still hurts me to say it. You know, maybe they can use this chance without Petrangelo, give him a little bit more rest and have him come back when the game means a little more than this. But again, I don't think it'll be an easy task. They've got Kopitar having a fantastic season something that hurts even more to say drew dowdy's not looking bad either so again the next two games will be against the kings and we'll definitely be here to cover all of it and so we're actually going to talk more about the golden knights and, and what they might just do at this year's trade deadline and what last year's trade deadline has held for them but first we're going to hear from our sponsor betonline.ag betonline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action 
because football might be over, but NBA, college basketball, and especially the NHL are in full swing. Bet Online even covers award shows, TV shows, and reality TV. Real time updated odds and props on almost everything you can imagine. And Bet Online has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets online, and it's free to sign up. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. And so use that promo code locked on, and you can get a 50% sign up bonus that matches. 50% of the money you put into the website. Again, betonline.ag. It's your online sportsbook experts. Get the upper hand in your fantasy league with daily fantasy hockey advice from Locked On Fantasy Hockey. Fantasy hockey expert Scott Cohen gives you the tips, insights, and analysis for season-long dynasty and DFS leagues. Follow Locked On Fantasy Hockey podcast on radio.com app or wherever you get your podcasts. And we're back to talk more about the vegas golden knights i'm jack manning i'm aj alexander and aj we told the folks we were going to talk to them about what the golden knights have done in previous years at the trade deadline and what they might do this year aj what have you thought about the vegas golden knights decisions at previous trade deadlines hasn't always been the best decision can we can we agree on that i know i remember clearly the first deadline you and i podcasted together you wanted to lock George McPhee in a closet. And that is a quote. So <laughs> it's not always been the perfect trades. The good news is that you don't really, you can't really expect Vegas to make a big swing this year. Not with the cap situation. Yeah. I mean, at this point with the expectation that they're going to have about $150,000 worth of cap available to spend at the trade deadline, uh, unless they're signing a new janitor, I just don't see how they're going to add another player unless they're going to, uh, unless they're going to move some money out. And so I think there's a couple of guys on the periphery that they could move out to make a little bit of room. Uh, you could probably move uh, Ryan Reeves and Nick Holden, both guys making about $1.7 million a year. You could move those guys out, replace them with guys making less than a million bucks, and you could make about $1.5 million worth of salary space uh, to, to bring in a, another player who's relatively low in the lineup. But in terms of bringing in somebody for the top six or bringing somebody in to, to play in the top four, unless that player is making a million bucks, a guy like Connor Garland, I just don't see how that happens. What do you think about Bobby Ryan in Detroit making a million dollars on a play at contract or a prove it contract? What do you think there? Seven goals, seven assists, 33 games. I think that would be a potentially really great fit for the bottom six here. Question is, does the front office stick with its no rental policy? We've only seen that once with Nick Cousins. What exactly goes through your mind with that deal? You know, it would it would depend on the cost, right? I mean, I think that's that's probably a guy that does fit pretty well in, into a bottom six role here. That's a guy that knows how to to put up goals when he's given the opportunity. And I think if it's a guy that's probably undervalued around the league because he was on such a bloated contract for as long as he was. For those that don't know, he was previously line mates with Mark Stone uh, over for the Ottawa Senators. And he had a, a huge contract making $7 million a year, was bought out last year after 
after facing a pretty public battle with substance abuse, went through rehab, went through the NHL's uh, substance abuse program, and now seems to be doing quite well for himself. He's got 14 points through 33 games, so scoring at about the same pace as Cody Glass, actually, now that I think about it. <laughs> but, uh, but no, I think that's a guy that could be valuable in a playoff run. And making just a million bucks a year, if the price was right, and that price would have to be relatively low, if I'm being perfectly honest. So um, define that for us. What do you consider low? For I, him, I don't. I should say. I can't see there being much more than a third round pick going for a guy like that. Somebody's okay. going to play in your bottom six. Um, at the end of the day, the Golden Knights have some really nice assets for this draft. They, they're going to have their own first round pick, uh, the Devils second round pick, which should be in the top 40, and, and then their own second round pick. And all of those are, are good enough picks that they can get a pretty good player in this draft. And so I would hate to see them spend anything more than a third to go after a guy that is going to play 10 to 12 minutes a night uh, on a playoff team, on a cup contending team. Right now, the Golden Knights do have significant depth. And I think before you spent anything more than a third round pick, you'd want to see what what might be available to them through the Henderson Silver Knights before they go out and start spending like like bandits at the deadline. Anyone pop out on that Henderson roster to your eye, that would be somebody that'd be your first, second choice as far as moving them up for the rest of the year. You know, I don't know about the rest of the year, but the guy I, the two guys that I would want to see given a chance first would be Dylan Sakura and Jack Dugan. Jack Dugan has scored 17 points, is tied for sixth in AHL scoring, and has looked absolutely fantastic this year. Meanwhile, Dylan Sakura is tied with that 17 points himself uh, and has really looked better than he's ever looked uh, on any team. He was previously with the Chicago Blackhawks, didn't really get much of an opportunity to play with very good players. But if you were to throw Dylan Sakura or Jack Dugan onto a line with Alex Tuck and Nick Waugh, I think there's something there, I, I, especially with the physicality that Jack Dugan can bring. I think there's value there. And I, before they go out looking for solutions elsewhere, I'd like to see what they can do from within. To me, if you can find a guy that can find Alex Tuck on the doorstep with Alex Tuck's speed, with that elite passing that Jack Dugan brings, man, let's, let's use the physicality that he's got in on the third line um, with two guys that are very very good defensively, but at the same time, take advantage of that passing acumen to see if that sparks some lightning in a bottle and allows them to, to really start contributing together. I am actually very fond of Bobby Ryan. Um, as far as his fit into the bottom six, I think you're absolutely right. Second round is pretty much off limits. Obviously the first is a third rounder. I think is fair for him. I think you're in a win now mode. A third round pick isn't much to ask. If you're not confident in your bottom six, and I know I'm not, you know, you can't head into the playoffs with a hole that you're aware of as a team, as a front office, with chances to actually improve it just because, you know, the guy may not actually resign with us. We may not resign him. I think that's silly. If you think there's a fit, you just go after it. And I think this would be one, especially with that salary. 
because the Golden Knights have so many young players coming up the the pipeline that even if Bobby Ryan doesn't resign, even if whoever they rent doesn't resign, that's okay. You still have plenty of, of skilled players ready to come up and take those jobs in the coming years, let alone Cody Glass improving and, and being a valuable third line contributor as early as next year. I, I think you're exactly right. They, they need to break their rule and they they've shown in the past, they're, they're perfectly happy to break their own rules. If it gives them more confidence that they're going to be able to take home the ultimate the ultimate prize the vegas golden knights are hosting the la kings tonight at seven o'clock we are going to be back tomorrow to talk all about that game and everything else related to the golden knights that happens over the next 24 hours Uh, so i'm jack manning i'm aj alexander this is locked on golden knights and we'll see you tomorrow